Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mental Strength Motivation. As always, I'm your host, Hama, and today we do have an amazing guest that I am very privileged and honored to have on this episode. Um, I think he is going to give you guys some amazing content. Today, I will be interviewing David Meltzer. He's the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as the CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. And also his life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. This simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, value. And all his content and communication, that's exactly what you'll receive. And as part of that mission for the past 20 years, he's been providing free weekly training to empower others, to empower others to be happy. Hey, how you doing, David, today? Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much uh, for allowing me to utilize this time and platform to empower others to be happy. What a perfect place to be. Hey, well, like I said, thank before when we were talking, thank you so much for coming and being a guest on this. You know, I think some of the ways that I've um, seen the things that you talk about and the way that you look at life can be a really um, opening thing for people who, especially people who struggle with mental health um, to see on how to try to approach life and how to try to, you know, battle the things that they're struggling with. Um. <laughs> To start off, I wanted to see if you can maybe give, give the listeners a little bit more of an intro of, of who you are and what they might want to know about you and anything that you might have struggled personally uh, in terms of mental health in the past. Yeah, you know, I've been blessed because uh, kind of born into a happy mindset, a very positive. In fact, I call myself a top optimist, the top of the optimist, but uh, have been around, you know, all types of uh, mental distress, depression, suicide. In fact, my mission stems from uh, my 12-year-old daughter's friend who committed suicide and started doing a ton of due diligence uh, within the context of why people would take their own life. And uh, when I found out what a serious problem it is, the acceleration worldwide of this epidemic of depression, anxiety, of mental health, uh, you know, it really set me forth on my mission to try to figure out how I can help people be happy um, because I have always been so happy. In fact, the reason and the purpose of my journey was the only time I wasn't happy when I was little was when I couldn't afford something or my mom was financially stressed and financial stress is one of the components to depression and anxiety along with many, many others. You know, obviously I worked uh, for Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment, the most notable sports agency. And we worked with concussions and CTE and, there's just so many variables that cause us not to have the right perception uh, of the world, to find the light, the love, and the lessons and everything. Um, and so I formulated four values uh, growing up that I live by. Uh, and I try to teach people to work within the context of their own genetics, personality, traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions, all which are contributors to our own mental health. But within the context of your own quantum memory, those own uh, types of set design that you've been born with or that you've evolved to, uh, gratitude number one is one of the key components that I live by. So I was blessed to find the light, the love, and the lessons in everything I do, to learn to love what I do, uh, learn to be forgiving, uh, to forgive myself, uh, to bring peace into my life. You know, forgiveness will take away a lot of anxiety and depression, uh, if we can learn to forgive and pursue the unforgivable, 
accountability is another one. So many people that live in mental distress uh, live in liability, blame, shame, justification, and you know, living in accountability and asking for help are two really big components of what I learned growing up and throughout my career assisted me in not only being a millionaire nine months out of law school, but being part of the $3.4 billion exit within my first three years into the Silicon Valley and being CEO of the world's first smartphone, the PCE phone, uh, and then moving from there to Lee Steinberg and finally Warren Moon and I working with mental health as a key component issue for our own company, Sports One Marketing. Uh, that journey was led uh, in the formulation of happiness. And, yeah. um, you know, that's why it's so important, I think, to help people and to provide a platform for them to share and be vulnerable. Yeah, you know, it, it's one of the reasons I started this this podcast too, right? I personally did struggle for a very long time from, um, you know, I'm, I'm only 24 now, but I struggled. I started struggling when I was 14 and I didn't really start getting any legitimate help or seeing any changes until I was probably 2021. Um, but one of the things that I actually wanted to um, ask you about too, because I wanted these these episodes that I've done recently to kind of be around sports as well. And you said with your company that you started with Warren Moon, uh, mental health was one of the big things that you guys um, were taking into play when starting it. What do you think about, you know, like, like you said, CTE, things like that when it comes to head injuries around sports? Because I didn't play college or anything, you know, very high level, but I played in high school and I had, I did have, you know, head injuries and things like that throughout all the different sports that I played. And I do always wonder now, you know, even though I'm doing better with my mental health now, um, what kind of head, what, what kind of effects those head injuries could have had? Yeah, I think there's more and more scientific data that's coming out about how the recovery side of head injuries happen. So I'm, uh, you know, not so sure about the damage itself from the injury, but I know not giving it enough time to recover is certainly an issue. And so uh, looking and formulating, uh, you know, how do we find the baseline of where the normal status of the brain is and giving it enough time to get back to that baseline to recover correctly is a huge component of CTE of, you know, and, you know, I know football has gotten the biggest uh, portion of heat and responsibility, but, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, we need to make sure that in all sports, in all activities where the brain may be damaged or hurt, that we give it enough time to recover because it does have long-term effects, including, as you know, mental illness, depression, and even suicide. Yeah. And um, I actually like that the way you put it in terms of all and other sports too. You know, I did play uh, football growing up, but I also played soccer and I'm a really big fan of soccer now too. And, you know, even a sport like that. And I think people don't think about it as much when, you know, like I remember I was watching a game the other day and one of our defenders on my, on the team that I'm a fan of, the guy took a shot from right outside the box and he blocked it with his head. And I'm like, he, I was in my head. I was like, he shot that pretty hard. That, that had to have hurt, you know? Right. And I think there's a lot of sports where people don't realize, you know, that where you, if you grab someone by the face mask and move the head side to side, it has more damage to the brain than getting hit in the head. Hmm. So there's a lot of things to learn. And I think, you know, as technology advances, you know, as we have wearable technologies, especially, uh, we're going to be able to, to take advantage of what the baseline is 
so that we know recovery is complete and we're able to move forward with that. Yeah, I sports is something that I'm passionate about. You know, my my degree was in sports and I've always loved it. So especially when it comes to mental health, one of the things that's made me happy is that I see, you know, for example, Brandon Marshall and people like that who are starting these podcasts and using their voice to actually talk about mental health with athletes, because I think it helps bring it to a different level of understanding, especially for people who think that, you know, they might be alone, that they're struggling with this, but, you know, so many people in the world struggle with it. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem too, the accountability issue that so many people struggle and fall into two camps that continue to accelerate the problem. One, those people that don't admit they have a problem and those two, those other people that don't know they have a problem. Yes. Um, actually, with that, I think what you said there kind of can lead into my other question. It's still around, um, it actually goes to athletes still too, but also college, right? I think when I was in college, that was, those were my worst years. My last two years of college, I was at my lowest and I was suicidal. Um, but I also saw friends in college who were struggling. And like you said, there who people who might not know, right? I think one of the biggest things that in terms of mental health, especially you know, I can say in the world, but in terms of just what I've, my perspective, especially in the States, is the mental health of college students. And I remember hearing a podcast that you were on previously, that you were a football player, that you played at the college level. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think about that, both back when you played and also if it's made any progress and still some of the progress that still needs to be made um, in terms of student and student athlete college mental health? Yeah, I think there's actually more safety in college athletics than there's ever been, especially pertaining to uh, head injury and mental health. Uh, where my greatest concern is, is that especially with COVID, uh, that we're not prepared and the schools especially are not prepared for the anxiety, depression, addictions, obsessions that are created by, you know, what's happening uh, ex, you know, with, with COVID, especially to our college kids, you know, these, these are high pressure situations that people had expectations of, you know, sometimes 10, 15 years preparing, uh, all to be turned upside down. And this disruption has created a more vulnerable status for all college students, not just athletes. So I think, uh, you know, the athletic side is improving because it's become an issue and awareness and money can be brought to it because athletics brings so much money into a school. But more importantly, I think it's the general population right now that I'm most concerned with, especially with COVID, that we're not prepared to identify, like I said, those people that uh, either don't admit or don't know they have a problem until it's too late. Yeah, you know, I, I had friends who were in college who dropped out early, right, like the first year or two, and it was because of mental health. And even at the time, too, they were saying, you know, oh, I'm just overly stressed. I need to drop out and take a break. But, you know, I could see that there was things that they're struggling with, partially because there was things I was struggling with, too, and I could kind of recognize it, um, both with college, and then, but then also moving past college as well. I've had jobs um you know, where, where my mental health's taken a toll, whether it's with the people I worked with or whether it's the job itself. For, for, for I guess it would be for college as well, you know, outside of just society in terms of, of in, in and of itself, um, recognizing more and being willing to get involved more. Um, 
mental health with work life, I think, is a massive thing. And like you said, in today's world with the pandemic and COVID, um, I've seen different places take more steps and better steps now because of the pandemic. But how could you maybe give some people some advice in figuring out how to both still have to have that work life because you need it to, you know, pay bills and everything, but also figure out how to balance that mental health with your work life. Yeah, for me, it's uh, knowing that two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. I've never been a big fan of those people that tell me, oh, my God, I got to take time off. I got to get off the grid for six weeks or six months. Uh, For me, you know, it's look, take a vacation every day. You know, prioritize your health. People that are healthy get a thousand wishes a day. People that are not healthy only get one wish. And our mental health is our most critical of all health because it gives us our perception. Uh, and if our perception is not uh, one in which is in the trajectory of what we want, we can create critical problems and damage to ourselves. And so I think it's really important uh, that we take inventory of those values and we create uh, the right methodologies in our lives in order to effectuate uh, what we want. Mm-hmm. No, I think that, yeah, I think that's a, a, way, a, a really great way to put that. You know, I think f- for me, in those periods when when the work when the different jobs I have were were affecting my mental health is when I was still trying to get better from it um but now i've I've gotten to a point where like you know and I, I think I, I posted a video recently too where I talked about it and I was like there's times now where I'm like driving and I'm randomly smiling and it still kind of freaks me out because I had from 14 to 21 22 where I would wake up and I would just be depressed, just waking up, you know? So for me, randomly smiling, even though I'm for career wise, for example, I might not be a hundred percent where I want to be, but knowing that I'm working towards it has really helped some of my perspective and the way that I look at things. And I'm able to see it now being better with my mental health. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about, right? Identifying it uh, ourselves, you know, or admitting it. Yes. Um, so one of the last things that I wanted, did want to talk to you about too, is, is overall life, right? Like, like you said, one of your biggest goals is, oh, your biggest goal, I guess you might agree with is to empower a billion people to be happy, which is, I think, amazing. And also just that number makes your mind go a little crazy. Um, and it's, for me, it's, it's one of the reasons I started this podcast, you know, like I said, for me, I wanted to start this to, um, inspire people who might be struggling to keep going, to inform people, um, who might not fully understand so they can understand more and then also help hopefully change the stigma um, around mental health. I wanted to um, ask you if you can maybe give some people some thoughts around how to approach life overall with a goal of happiness instead of a goal of simply money and, you know, this and that and everything, because I've seen in researching you as well as some, you know, like you, you had gotten to a point where you could have had all, you know, the money and the things you wanted to buy and everything, but you still weren't fully happy in terms of real happiness. Yeah. And that's because I wasn't enjoying the consistent everyday persistent without quit pursuit of my own potential. I wasn't taking time to know my what, to know my who, meaning who can help me with my what, my how, meaning understanding how to be a student in my calendar of utilizing the mathematical equation of luck, paying attention to giving intention to all the coincidences I wanted in my life by having and using a lens of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude. 
knowing my now, I took no prioritization. There was no strategy and what was important in my life versus what was urgent in my life. I was, you know, either a victim where things were happening to me and blame, shame, justification in the world of liability or things were happening for me. So I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't even like just so I could pretend to be happy. Uh, But finally, I think using the methodology of knowing my what, my who, my how, and my now, I learned to practice ending fear. I learned to identify, identify and admit, identify and admit that I had these terrible thoughts, you know, a need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, guilty, resentful, depressed. I had a right and a might that I had to, one, identify, and two, admit that I had it, and then simply stop. Instead of trying to resist it, go over it, under it, through it, I just stop. I breathe, go to center, find my center and neutral, my peace, through gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability. And then I roll in the right trajectory. I roll in the right direction towards the what that I determined I wanted, finding the who to help me, finding the how I'm going to do it, and then determining and valuing what's most important to me to figure out my why. Wow. That is a really awesome way um, <laughs> to put all of that. I mean, you know, it's, it's something that I think I've, I've started to, to start, like I started to find in terms of the why and the things that you were talking about, right? Like I, I genuinely feel like doing this is something that I can fall in love with, or, I mean, I kind of fall in love with already because it, I've had people message me, you know, that it, that it helps them. I've had people, you know, even before I started doing this, I would make mental health posts. And I had people message me saying, for example, I had one friend who said that he, he didn't struggle personally, but he would read my messages and show my videos to his girlfriend who struggled. And that like blew my mind because he said it was helping her. And I think, finding something like you said, the why and the what is insanely hap- is insanely important in finding happiness in life. Um, and I think for me, helping people is something that, that really brings that on. I remember there were times when I was at my lowest in college and, you know, I could be having like a breakdown, but I would look on my phone and even if it was just for a few seconds, I could see, you know, like a friend of mine, their, their business doing well, or a friend was doing well in college athletics or something. And I would feel happy for them, even though I was having a breakdown. And that kind of, when I look back on it, that kind of messes with my head, but in a good way. Yeah, no, I think obviously, you know, elevating others to elevate ourselves, using our personal situation to illuminate and illustrate our own vulnerability is critical. I have time for one more question. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll actually I'll ask the question really quick, a small one, and then we could do the, maybe the quote or, or post if you have at the end. Um, is there any advice, you know, something that I've struggled with personally as well is like after I've, I have beaten my depression, I think, but I said there's times where I still struggle with showing emotion and empathy to others in the sense that I can understand the empathy. But for example, I've had a couple of friends pass away recently and I think, I cried for maybe 30 seconds in total. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh no. Well, it was just, it was a question along the lines of like dealing with some, maybe things, um, a better way of, of dealing with um, negative things that happen and empathy towards, you know, certain situations 
Um, it's something that I feel like I've struggled with with my depression I, and my, with my post-depression in terms of it's sometimes it's hard for me to feel those really negative empathy situations. Yeah, I mean, for me, I use a system in my book called Cancel Clear Connect. And so uh, I cancel the negative thoughts, the attacking thoughts, the judgments, the ego-based emotions. If I can't get rid of them, I clear them from my mind by breathing and just saying clear very calmly. And then uh, if they still don't go away, I know it's part of my quantum memory, my DNA, my epigenetic layer needs to be deactivated or activated according to the emotion, the energy emotion that I want to feel. And so I work on shifting my energy, changing my frequency, shifting that quantum memory of my personality traits, my characteristics, my obsessions and addictions to work in favor of me, not against me. And so the cancel clear technique has been a great uh, asset to facilitating changing my ways consciously, subconsciously, and unconsciously. Wow. Okay. Thank you. And that's a really awesome way. Like I, I could, you know, and I, and I do still need to get your book cause I do want to read that cause I could feel like that is going to help me figure some things out that I might still be struggling with. Um, so I know you are, do have a very busy schedule and you do have to go. I appreciate you coming on my podcast and having a conversation with me. Um, as I do with all my guests, I would like to give you an opportunity to have any closing statements and either a a statement or a personal quote of your own that you might like to give people some motivation who might be struggling with some mental health issues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, very clear that if we don't have what we want, if you're anxious, upset, angry, depressed, whatever it may be, number one, seek help. So ask for help. But two, do good deeds. If uh, you want, I know one thing that always works is uh, to do good deeds, to do a good deed for someone else, to help somebody else. Nothing will make you feel better uh, as you have from helping other people uh, to help other people. So, uh, you know, reach out to me anytime, david at dmelzer.com. I do free trainings on Friday. Would love to have you. david at dmelzer.com. Let me know I could be of service. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining and listening in on this episode. Thank you for David for coming once again. And I hope everybody has a great day and go be great, everybody.